0: Just walking the dead, and coming back on our door. Ah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> ruined <laughs> it. You ruined it for me. But then
1: you hit record and you the door anyway. Our whole relationship is a CD skipping away. Crush on the rain.
0: listening to Crush on Radio, a week bi-weekly discussion show about music and music fandom. My name is Richard J. Anderson and I am joined as always by Andrew Marvin and Matthew Keeley. Hello Rich. Hello Matt. Hello. this is the, uh, this is the NPR voice.
2: And I am the news department of NPR. With the very strange and
0: vaguely European accent. Yes, sadly, none of us have a good NPR name.
1: <laughs> yeah. The NPR names are ridiculous. Like, I'm pretty sure that's the basis for hiring somebody at NPR.
0: Yeah, my my favorite is uh, Ophabia Kristarkin. Or Christo- yes.
1: <laughs> oh my god!
0: <laughs> like, she's, is that a joke? I mean, she she's got a lovely voice, though. I got to give her that.
1: Well, they all do, kind of.
0: Yeah. Small doses, but mm-hmm. I mean, yeah,
1: I, the first time I heard that, I had a pretty big NPR phase when I was driving 45 minutes to uh, to grad school every day. But yeah, when I first heard that name, I was like, "What? This has to be some sort of joke."
0: Nah, <laughs> yeah, she's real. She's real.
1: I should Wikipedia her, but yeah. yeah, I don't even know what letter it starts with.
0: Yeah, I uh, I only listen to uh, um. Uh, wait, wait! Don't tell me. No, but that's the show. That's, I'm not trying to have you tell me that. Never mind. But I listen to Wait, 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 Don't Tell Me, and I listen to the NPR Morning News Podcast.
1: Yeah, I used to listen to Morning Edition.
0: And I don't even listen to Morning Edition. I just get, like, the five-minute news summary. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't really pick up the radio on the subway, so. Yeah. And my, my commute's not long enough to listen to all of Morning Edition.
1: I don't even know how to begin to find this woman's name
0: say it again. Oh, Fabia Chris Darkin. <laughs> Word, Oh, Chris Um,
1: oh man, people have apparently tried to Google it before because all kinds of stuff come up when you
0: try to Google it. <laughs> Holy uh, okay. crap. So, I uh, I was saying, uh, before we started the show, um, it's been a wild weekend for me, uh friend of the show, John Pfeffer, played a show in, in Bushwick, Brooklyn, uh, la- on Friday night. So I had to go to that. Bushwick. And then uh, another friend of the show, Sherry Very, a.k.a. Void Vision, which you might remember from uh, the Best of 2012 episode. Uh, she played a show last night, also in Bushwick, just a couple blocks away. So, you know, two nights in the same Brooklyn neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, and... and I mean, the the show last night went late. Uh, the closing time here was 4 a.m., so that means all the shows start late, and so I didn't even leave there until, like, 3. Yeah. And I mean, how long is the
1: uh, drive or commute?
0: Yeah, it, it was about an hour on the subway or so. I mean, I, I, I stumbled in, like, I think close to 5, actually. Mm-hmm. So, like, <gasps> I'm dead today. Dead to the world. Yeah. I'm actually voicing the editing off to Matt today because I'm just like, oh, I, after the show, I just want to like, curl back up and rest my head. If that's cool.
2: Yes, that is indeed cool.
0: Okay. It's fine with me. Yeah. yeah. I jerk. just <sighs> Well, if you don't want to do the editing, you don't have to be on the show. So there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'll do the editing. I'll just do it really badly so you won't ask me to do it again. I'll be all like, I'll, I'll cut out all the content and keep in all the ums and ers, and, you know, libelous statements and whatnot that we always make.
0: That sounds like it would be harder to do than just editing it properly.
2: You're probably right.
0: <laughs> mm. Well, <clears throat> so, uh, we've got, we've got records to talk about, don't we?
1: We're not here to talk about Ophabia Quistarkin.
0: Yes. So we've got, we've got picks and, uh, I think if, if we are still doing the round robin, uh, Matt, you you're off uh, you're, the, you're the leader today.
2: just out of the gate. Uh, my record is one of my favorites, and it's by the band Eels, who actually just released a brand new one called Wonderful Glorious. Uh, this, however, is not Wonderful Glorious, although both of those adjectives do apply. The album that I chose is the second Eels album, Electroshock Blues which basically was written after everyone in E's family died. (laughs) Like E is the lead singer, Mark Oliver Everett. And basically his entire family is dead. And so he wrote an album about it and it's a sad album, but it's also like ends up being kind of uplifting, just sort of, you know, uh, especially with the, the last track of uh, "PS You rock my world where, uh, he, he finally decides you know maybe it's time to live so i I, I love that record um, so let's hear a little bit of um, one of the cuts from it now let's go with uh, last stop this town place. Like I say, I, I really love this record. Um, basically, It and Souljacker are, are probably the two Eels records that I go to the most. Although, honestly, I love all of them. Um, I'm a big fan of Eels, so that's good. And, and it's kind of funny because I think, t- to me, like uh, E and Beck have kind of similar voices. Like At least in that same kind of gravelly kind of range. I, like, I, I don't think you'd confuse the two, but they're still in that same kind of niche. And it's kind of funny because about the same time that I really got into Electroshock Blues um, Beck's album Sea Change came out and I found it really really funny because Sea Change is the I Just Broke Up With My Girlfriend album for Beck and it's just so mopey and just poor me I, I'm i sad meh, meh. and then you have the e al- or the Eels album where you know everyone in my family is dead my you know dad died of a heart attack when i was little my sister just committed suicide and my mom died of cancer and you know maybe it's time to grow up and live you know it's it's sort of a it's kind of funny that you have like you know back with this relatively minor thing i i mean breakups suck i i'm not i'm not denying that but i mean when you compare to a breakup to everyone in your family dying it's just kind of funny that you know Beck is the Beck Beck releases the uh the sad wallowy record where E actually, you know you know, tries to grow from it and and, you know, become a a fuller, better person. Hmm.
0: This this was my first exposure to uh to Eels, uh except for I think he actually put one of the songs on this album on a mix CD from way back when. Um Probably, Then again, yeah. <laughs> That tends to happen a lot with your picks. Uh, Not a value judgment, just saying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, in fact, I can actually probably take a look and uh, see which one it was. Oh, there's the cover of Get Your Freak On.
2: Oh, yeah, which is not on this album.
0: No, I can't really tell, because I don't feel like actually going into iTunes right now. Anyway, uh, so
2: I guess... I I have to admit, it it, it would be kind of weird if uh, Get Your Freak On were on this album about, you know... His family dying.
0: <laughs>
2: that would be just, getting like, a free
1: weird...
0: con, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, it'd just be this weird left turn. <laughs>
0: Contact shift. Uh Yeah. So this, this was definitely interesting. I mean, is all their stuff kind of in the same sort of like fuzzy vein?
2: Yeah, like uh, he really does kind of like the lo-fi sound. Mm-hmm. And especially on the vocal, like uh, there, most of his stuff has kind of vocal distortion or stuff like that on there I, I think it's one of the reasons why like I guess like uh, Tom Waits is a huge Eels fan like I, I know he's like put some of the records on like best of list for, for you know years like huh. you know when, when they do like the year end kind of review kind of things and
0: then people ask Tom Waits and he'll be all like Eels <laughs> and then people are like oh Tom Waits you're so weird
2: <laughs> yeah and <laughs> he's like god damn it <laughs> yeah
0: um yeah, because, is this, is this, are they, are they a, sho- is-, is he like, shoegaze? Because I know shoegaze is big into, like, like the distortion no. and the lo-fi. Okay. I'm, I'm, now, I'm
2: just. Shoegaze, shoegaze is if, basically, if to the point where all you really hear is the distortion. Mm. Like, stuff like uh, My Bloody Valentine or, um, like, the first uh, Jesus and Mary Chain record, um, Psycho Candy. Um, stuff like that, where it's just basically a wall-o
0: noise. Okay. All right, that, that helps. Because, you yeah, know, everyone's, like, freaking out over the new My Bloody Valentine record, and I'm like, okay, uh, they're, they're a band, I know about them. They do this shoegaze thing, I know about that, so, okay.
2: Yeah, to, to be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of shoegaze. Um, although I have to say that even though, like... I am the one person on earth who did not like Loveless, the uh big important My Bloody Valentine record. Um I actually do and I, I have been digging the new the new one. So Okay. Take that as you will.
0: <laughs> Alright. Thanks. That that like that helps. So yeah, this was I'll have to check out some more of their stuff, because it's it's interesting. I, I'm not terribly big on the lo fi. Like I've got what's it called? B Thousand by Guided by Voices, and that's that I mean I think that's like the technical definition of proper lo-fi because like every song on that sounds like it's been recorded through a cassette player
2: and <laughs> like the early mountain goat stuff
0: <laughs> i never checked that out either so oh okay <laughs> yeah the, the the guy from the mountain goats was just on the latest judge John Hodman judge John Hodgman podcast and he played some songs and they were good songs
2: I, I, I love the Mountain Goats. But yeah, yeah, the first ones were actually done on a, not only a cassette player, but a slightly busted one because he liked the, the way that it had this kind of rhythmic clicking. And he kind of liked the way that that sounded.
0: Huh. Well, there you go. See, I've said my piece. I, I like it. I'll have to listen to it more. And it, yeah, it is, it's, it's a very dark but uplifting album. Sort of. Okay, I'm not, I haven't said it in my piece then. Uh, <laughs> reminds me, a bit, subject matter wise, of The Soft Bulletin. Mm. Flaming Lips mm. was that out of left field? No, I can kind of see that. I I'm mean, only and, and familiar I mean, like,
1: with the first track on Soft Bulletin, so <laughs> I don't. <know.
0: laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, the Soft Bulletin was the one they recorded like after the the drummer got the spider bite, and then, like people had died like connected to the band and stuff. So
2: yeah, yeah, the the spider bite song and all that. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there was like a car accident or something. I don't think I'm here today. I mean, I'm here, but I don't know if I'm all the way here. <laughs>
1: eh, that's all right. All right. I liked it also. Uh, I was not aware of the horrific tragedy, tragical, tragic consequences—or not consequences—context of the album for this poor man. Uh, but it certainly makes sense. Uh, I was reading the Wikipedia article just now, and it appears that uh, Eels has been featured on several soundtracks that I'm familiar with, including uh American Beauty and the Shrek movies which uh and I can totally uh I think it's my beloved monster from the first Shrek movie uh and I like that song and it it um it surprised me because I was thinking as I was listening to it that it was kind of a as I was listening to the album that it was kind of morbid with a sort of whimsical sound and that's uh also reflected in in the shrek soundtrack although it's much more whimsical given the the context of the movie but so yeah i
2: thought it was pretty good cool i'd be kind of surprised if something like you know cancer for the cure appeared on in you know shrek
1: was the one that appeared on american beauty yeah yeah I, be like I don't remember that in the movie though i'm gonna listen to it again right now
2: yeah tell you the truth i don't remember it in the movie either but it's a great song mm, though
1: maybe youtube knows
2: in
0: any case um Razors pain you, rivers are damp, acids stain you, and drugs cause cramp. Guns aren't lawful, nooses give. Gas smell's awful, you might as well live. Well said. Yeah. Well, I can't take credit for that. That's Dorothy Parker.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I do like Dorothy Parker. She always, like... I guess that kind of fits with sort of like the whimsical sadness, you know, I just, mm-hmm. although I think, I think she's, she tends more towards the bitter side.
0: <laughs> the, the whimsy ran out f- for her, I think. So, uh, I think I'm next if, if we're done with this. Um, sure. yeah, My pick is actually a delayed one, um, but I figure if I either, I either do it now or I wait for the final album to come out, it's uh, the new single by uh, David Bowie which uh, I remember waking up a couple weeks ago and just, like, I'm laying in my bed, waking up, checking Facebook on my phone, and I see someone post, David Bowie has a new single and a music video. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what? Especially since it was really freaky because uh, I just read, uh, like, a, like, a week before that, you know, David Bowie had basically retired from music. So, um, anyway, the song is called Where Are We Now?, and uh, let's hear a little of that now. I remember the Strazahn A man lost in time Near Cardiff Just walking the dead Yeah. David Bowie is a man who needs no introduction. If you, if you don't know David Bowie, you fail at life and, hmm. and so, (laughs) (laughs) and if you don't like David Bowie, there's something shamefully wrong with you. Um, so I was, I was really taken by, by the song when I first heard it. Um, which is odd because I'm not. I'm kind of like hit or miss on the later era David Bowie. I mean, for my money, it, it doesn't get much better than that period between um, Space Oddity and Let's Dance, with the exception of Pin Ups. So, but this is a, a really a great song. Um, love the, love the lyrics, love the uh, arrangement, and the video is pretty cool too. But you no, know. I know Andrew, you're not really up to date on the David Bowie. So I'm curious to hear what you think of this one.
1: I need a, I like David Bowie and I like I like him by extension Um, you know I like I love Under Pressure, I love Golden Years, I love Fame I love Space Oddity um, all of these songs coming to me through other artists Uh, and I haven't really, but I don't have any full David Bowie albums um, so I will need your guys' guidance in that respect um
0: the rise and fall of ziggy stardust and the start and the spiders from mars start there
1: the rise and fall of ziggy stardust and the spider from mars okay um
2: either that or hunky-dory
1: both get both
2: yeah get both
0: (laughs) 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 Uh, anyway you're you're saying you're saying
1: yeah i was saying so this this song has kind of grown on me because i listened to it the day that it broke or dropped or whatever and at the time I was kind of bored by it, but it has grown on me considerably. Um I don't know how it really ranks among the, the David Bowie oeuvre, but uh it's a it's a pleasant enough song and it's got a you know, it's nice. I don't know. I don't have much to say about it. It doesn't offend me, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it I, you sort of lack the, 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 the critical context, uh, is what you're saying. mm mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah.
2: Although I think I think they should use uh, "doesn't offend me" as the uh, advertising pull quote. So uh, EMI, if you're listening, there, there's your uh, there's your advertiser. <laughs>
0: yeah, you can put that on the one sheet.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, I liked it, but yeah. Then again, I, I really like David Bowie anyway. Um, pretty much with the uh, the same kind of exceptions that. Uh, Rich mentioned, although pinups isn't bad, it's just inessential. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's all covers, so it's sort of like, you know, oh,
0: okay. Yeah, I mean, um, I just, I'm not terribly impressed by all, any other covers except for See Emily Play. Mm-hmm. But then again, I also just really like- love See Emily Play and, and the, like the really early Pink Floyd stuff, so.
2: Yeah, I don't know, I love Sorrow, uh, just because it's one of those songs that didn't do anything in America, and so it's sort of like, oh, this is like Almost like a new song for me, and I think it's like a really great pop song.
0: Hmm. I'll have to give that another try then. Also the cover of Pinups is terrible.
2: Yes, I'll I'll give you that one.
0: I mean Um Diamond Dogs is awesome covers. and it's <laughs> yeah. Diamond Dogs is amazing in its terribleness. I mean it's so terrible that it crosses over to the other side and becomes good again, but Pinups is just uh I hate yeah. I, I I hate <laughs> even just scrolling past it in iTunes. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of terrible
2: covers, I'm really hoping that the the one that, that's been, you know, leaked or, or whatever that alongside the uh single isn't the final cover because it's just the uh heroes album sleeve with heroes crossed out and a big white square that says the next day on it over Bowie's face. But the weird thing is is that like I got an email from EMI at work saying like and now here's something that you can like, you know, pimp to your stations where you can actually do, like, the Facebook, you know, have your Facebook picture be bowie by putting a big white square over your face with The Next Day written on it. And uh, so I'm, making, I'm thinking that that actually will be the final album art, which is kind of disappointing. I still like it better than pin-ups. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I don't know, it, it's... It is kind of a step up too from uh, Reality, which was a, a good album, but the cover art screamed Deviant Art. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, uh, sound uh, the song though I like I like the song. Um, it really actually kind of has kind of a heathen vibe to it, which I love the Heathen record. So I am you know I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, the video is pretty creepy though. I'm I'm I wasn't a fan just because of the weird creepy. Doll things that looked horrible. I don't want them to eat me. I
0: I can see I can see that. I, I liked the uh, the video. I didn't. I, I admit the doll thing, the two headed doll with the projections, was creepy. But I mean, it, it, it's it's also sort of the thing you come to expect from Bowie. <laughs> you know, in 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 that it's if you expect Bowie to do like a music video, there's the potential for creepiness. Yeah. So, There's that. See, so, yeah, I I already pre-ordered the album. I'm, I'm I'm anxious for it. I was all I I hope he tours cuz I mean, I I he had he, last time he toured was for reality and that was a clusterfuck and you know, he's, I'm, not, I'm not I might I don't want to have to I don't want to die not having seen David Bowie in concert.
2: Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome to see Bowie. I mean, I, I just I, I hope he does tour. I, I don't know if he will or not, but, well, the thing is, is I didn't think he'd do another record. So there you
0: go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, Andrew, definitely hunky dory and the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars. Yeah. Uh, uh, just a little anecdote about uh, Ziggy Stardust. I, I remember, you know, just sitting in KGB bar in Manhattan. You remember that place, Matt?
2: Yeah. That's where we saw the, uh, the pain guy. Yeah. I, um, Kreider.
0: Yeah. This, this was a different time I was there and I'm sitting there and I'm like oh hey they're playing some David Bowie I know this song yeah oh hey I know this song too wow this I know this song wow this must be like a greatest hits wait wait a minute no wait this isn't greatest hits this is Ziggy this is the Ziggy Stardust album cause like every song on there is is a classic hmm. with the possible exception of Soul Love yeah <laughs> And I think I think
2: hunky dory is kinda of the same way though, although you you weren't listening to that in the KGB bar. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, but but yeah, hunky dory has some amazing songs on it. Uh Life on Mars especially.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. You have not lived until you've heard Life on Mars. Pretty much. You gotta get on this, Andrew. Got some living to do. Yes. <clears throat> huh. Maybe it's time
2: to live by buying Hunky Dory and Ziggy Stardust. (laughs) Ooh,
1: well done. Yes. What happened, um, why did you guys, why were you under the impression that he would not release any new album?
0: Literally, there was, like, a week or two before the the single dropped, there was an article in some UK tabloid basically saying, you know, talking about how David Bowie was basically just, you know, like, well, first of all, he hadn't put out anything in ten years. The general consensus was that he'd retired from music. He was like just living his life with his supermodel wife. Um, and believe, and my God, that woman is very gorgeous. Uh, Imane, Iman, Iman, whatever. Iman. Iman. She, I mean, te- terribly attractive lady. David's a lucky guy. Um, you know, just taking care. Of, you know, being with her and taking care of his youngest child. Well, I'm I'm assuming he's basically like trying not to fuck it up like he did with his first kid. <laughs> and uh, which is odd because you know Zowie got his own song written about him, "Kooks" on Hunky Dory. It all comes back to Hunky Dory. Um,
2: and, yeah. and 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 he's also a, a big time film
0: director now too. So yeah, if you saw the movie Moon, that was him, <laughs> okay. David Bowie's uh, oldest son. Uh, anyway, so basically, it was like so. There's these tabloid photos of David Bowie just walking around London dressed down like a hoodie and like apparently he's just he's not even going by David Bowie anymore he's going by David Jones his birth name and like just giving up on music entirely mm. and then suddenly you know I mean I'm, I'm reading this I'm like oh man oh well i let him have it and then two weeks later boom new single bam <laughs> oh and it's also being its I don't know I didn't mention this it's uh, produced by uh, the album's being produced by Tony Visconti <laughs> Who's produced a few records that uh, that we love, mm-hmm. including uh, uh, so this record by some band called Sparks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what's it called? Indiscreet. You know, it's yeah. A, some some some, some no name band called Sparks. How are we still not talked about Sparks on this show?
2: Actually, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, we could
1: totally. I know a, nothing of Sparks, but both of you are like Uber fans.
0: Yeah. Well, we could totally do like a an episode next week where we just p- both pick Sparks records and you have to suffer. If, if you know, like, you know, it's, it'll, well, uh, we'll, we'll it would be like musical waterboarding and uh, trying to make you a fan of Sparks. Mm. You'll probably dig them. I mean, I if anticipate you Anticipate just...
1: that. Yeah. I was going to say, do you anticipate that being a uphill battle?
0: Not really. I mean, they have so many different styles in their oeuvre that if you don't like one record, you're probably going to like another one. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they pretty much would like stick with one style for a maximum of what like
0: three records. Yeah, like max max. <laughs> yeah, about that, yeah. So, if you if you don't like one record, you'll like another one. There's got to be there's, there's there's something in the Sparks discography I think for everyone. All right. Yeah. We'll 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 have to talk about that next time. Wait, well, I've already got my pick for next week, so we can't do it next week or uh, very two well. weeks now. Anyway. Um yeah, so that's the David Bowie song. The next day is coming out. Uh, I think the release date is the 16th of March? Something like that, yeah. It's like coming so, out so.
1: on the 8th in Australia.
0: Mm. Or, oh, probably the tw- the 12th then. I just know I'm going to wake up one morning and iTunes is going to be like, hey, you have downloads. And I'm be like, oh, what could this possibly be? Oh, yes, the Bowie record. <laughs> yeah, it's like Christmas your in day March. day will improve. Christmas in March. <laughs> Alright, um, now, now it's your turn. Ta-da! So, uh, this is
1: kind of a follow-up from our Soundtracks episode, uh, in which we partially discussed uh, the Garden State soundtrack, which features two tracks from The Shins. And my pick uh, this by week is Port of Mara by The Shins, which is their 2012 record, which I didn't even talk about because I didn't even know about it when we did our 2012 retrospective. Um, and if I had, I it definitely would have been a track from here. It definitely would have been in my top five tracks from from 2012. Uh, so why don't we play the opening track from this album called "The Rifles Spiral"?
2: Dead lungs come.
1: So, I am a modest Shins fan. Most of my involvement came from first from the, the Garden State soundtrack because I love Carrying is Creepy and New Slang. And uh, I eventually came to acquire the entire Shins discography or the form main studio albums. And I think I've listened to all of them. The only ones I'm confident in speaking about are the first Owen oh, Inverted World, and uh, the last one. Um,. I haven't gotten into "Shoot Too Narrow" or "Wincing the Night Away" yet, but uh, it's on my to-do list. And um, so, yeah, I guess the I'm not too big on the Shins mythology, but I guess that this who's the main Shins guy?
2: Uh, James Mercer, uh, I think.
1: Yes, uh, I think that "Port of Morrow" was recorded without any uh, without the usual lineup of of the Shins. I think it was like mostly recorded by him and released as a shins album. Um, you guys can probably clarify that for me, but uh, I
2: think he fired the rest of the shins. And then I know he did like the broken bells album with danger mouse. And then I think he basically was like, okay, time for a new shins record with no one else, but me and maybe some other guys that I hire.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the first album since the departure of founding members, Dave Hernandez, Marty Crandall and Jesse Sandoval. So yeah. Um, so i don't i'm not i can't really speak to how that has changed the sound uh I do know that I have a couple of i'm friends with a couple of shins fans and they I know that they consider this their least favorite shins album not that it's a bad record but um compared to their other work but I really enjoy it um I played the crap out of it a month or so ago and we finally got around to to making it a pick um I love the rifle spiral uh some songs I love more than others but I don't know overall it's been a very uh Sort of uplifting record for me. I also love Forty Mark Strace or Strass. I don't know how the hell you say that, Um, but it's very good. And I don't again. I don't know how it compares to the the rest of the discography, but I love it a lot. And um, it's it's become a uh, a uh, auditory a musical symbol for this um, this current period of my of my life. So um, I'm a big fan.
0: Yeah, the only Shin's album I'm really familiar with is O Inverted World," and mm-hmm. and that's not even a record I put on all that much. I mean, not because I don't like it. I mean, I do like it, but it's just yeah, it's it's not one of my go-tos. Um, so this was this was definitely. Uh, I remember reading the review of it in the AV Club when it came out last year.
1: Mm.
0: And yeah, they they mentioned that it was uh, just basically the one guy and. I don't know if they were like the, the new shins or if they were just like hired guns. Yeah.
1: Contribution. The album features, it's primarily a collaboration between James Mercer and the producer, Greg Kirsten and features contributions oh, from former members.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Greg Kirsten. He produced, uh, he, he's produced the, the new Devo record. Ah. Yeah. And he's also, he's also part of, uh, the bird and the bee who are also, who are awesome. He is also part of giggy. Ta who were terrible. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta admit, you you, you gave me the Burn on the Bee discography, Matt, and I'm not, I'm not really sold on them. Uh, okay. I don't know. I
2: I love them. I think they're they're grand, but different strokes.
0: Yeah, but one thing we do agree on is that the the new Devo record was awesome.
2: Indeed, there needs to be more Devo.
0: Yes, agreed. Uh, it, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be an episode of Crush on Radio if we didn't mention Devo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's all about the producers in this record in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, Tony Visconti, Greg Kirsten, yeah. But, uh, so, I'm not... I wasn't really... I have to really give this record another listen. I mean, I didn't have a lot of time to give, like, a detailed listen. Just been so busy yeah. with everything. Ugh, I have too many friends who are musicians. Anyway, um... It's a tough life you lead. Yeah. So, um, there was that. That was... Um, yeah, it's... It's definitely a little darker in style, uh, sonically, than than the first record. Mm-hmm. So, I was I was kind of taken I was kind of taken by surprise with that. I, I I generally associate the Shins with like the kind of light and airy rock sounds of *O Inverted yeah. World*. So this was a little darker and heavier and grittier.
1: Yeah, I think it is a little heavier, especially because like the *Rifle Spiral* kicks in and it's pretty mm-hmm. badass.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's different. I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying it's different, so I, I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't really know what to expect there. And, yeah, it's something I'm going to have to go back to. I don't know if I'm sold on it, but, I mean, it wasn't bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can say for me that this, this record, this is the, the Shin's record that I... Because I'm, I'm the same way with O Inverted World. Like, I'll I put it on from time to time, but I still... And I enjoy all the songs when I'm listening to it, but... Um, given the handful of full listens that I've given it, I can't uh, tell you how most of the songs go. <laughs> um, although well, not not can I, ones but
0: and, I mean, I know yeah. like I think I uh, yeah. and the uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't understand the lyrics. Okay, In in caring is creepy, or at least that opening part. But oh, oh, you couldn't even oh, tell I that's what, what I was doing with that. one I used like, to know what you. the lyrics were. I think I can what. Oh, I was I I didn't think you could understand that I was trying to do hearing is creepy there. <laughs> I think it, I'll go home
1: and roll this over, mull this over. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> people can Google the lyrics.
0: Yeah. Put it in the show notes maybe. And i yeah. and I know like, you know, the the chorus of new slang, but yeah.
1: hmm
0: It's a good record. It's just it it just doesn't like my, my brain doesn't glom onto it like it does with others.
1: Yeah, it like doesn't stick, although it's very pleasant in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um yeah but por- the the new record has really I mean similar to to uh with Coldplay the the um I know you guys aren't big on the Coldplay but uh Viva La Vida was the first Coldplay album that I was ever able to that ever stuck with me that I could listen to from start to finish and really enjoy and it hasn't um in that case it has not been a gateway to the rest of their discography yet but Port of Morrow really makes me want to um Immerse myself in the other Shin's records, so I'm about halfway there now. Being familiar with the first record and the last record, so I got to do the middle too. I think, um, I think that uh, "Shoots Too Narrow" might be a fan favorite or the fan favorite. I'm not sure. Huh.
2: And isn't uh, "Viva La Vida" the one that was like produced by Eno?
0: Was it?
1: I have no idea. Hang
0: on. Someone needed a paycheck. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Death and All His Friends. This was produced by Marcus droves Brian Eno, John Hopkins, and Rick Simpson. So they had four producers. Ah,
2: Mm. I guess guess Eno was like sort of like produced a little bit, and it was like, okay, fuck this shit. (laughs) The album was
1: their first to be produced by Eno.
2: Ah. Mm
1: -mm. Eno required every song in the album to sound different and expand their musical interests. Hmm. Good job.
2: (laughs) All- Stop sounding like Coldplay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> is that also the album? Where, is that also the album where they uh, stole? The, well, I can't say stole because they did ask permission, but when they use the the riff from Computer Love on a song.
2: No, that was uh, X and Y because uh, I remember because we got the single in at work and yeah, yeah. I, just, and I was I just, all like, "Oh, Kraftwerk is on this. Play it." Oh, they just stole the riff. Great. <laughs> yeah,
0: because I remember l- hearing that song on the radio, and I'm just like. God damn it! That's the computer world riff. They stole that. Or computer love. Computer love, yeah. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> dun, 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 dun.
2: But anyway, the, the Shins, though, I I I I I like this record. Um, I I kind of have that same thing where the for me the Shins are pleasant to listen to, but they're not very sticky. Mm. And I think this one's a little bit more sticky, but it's still yeah i, I think yeah. i i do need to spend sp- spend a little more time with it but so far it it hasn't really stuck either but it's still very you know it's still good and enjoyable and stuff i mean it's yeah yeah
1: and i did For like me, too that yeah go ahead
2: oh i was gonna say i did like too that the album flowed and had different sounds and stuff on it too so it was like like yay mm. it, it works yeah, as we an don't album like, so yeah. that <laughs> yeah well so I know I've been harping on that in the last like couple shows, and it's sort of like, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm lame. <laughs> nah, it's
1: okay. I think that um the the hard part about because it took me a while for this record to stick, and now I I have really internalized all ten tracks. But I think it's particularly difficult because this is one of those albums where the first track is awesomely sticky and delicious, and the rest of the album is considerably less sticky. So it's hard to get past the first track if that makes sense mm-hmm. I think it is stickier than at least the, the rest of the Shins songs that I've heard yeah I think uh, I recommend for people that are looking for something beyond The Rifle Spiral well The Rifle Spiral is definitely my favorite song but also I like Bait and Switch No Way Down 40 Mark Strauss So are probably my three or four favorites
0: like I said I'm just gonna have to give this one another listen i I didn't have the time to really absorb the whole thing, so mm. it, it, it's it's definitely a Shins record. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in, in sure. just just a, a heavier Shins record. Uh, I mean, it, if if it's his band, like if he if the if, uh, what's the guy's name? James James Mercer. Mercer James Mercer, who is not James Murphy. Uh, James no. Mercer. No, if if James Mercer yeah. basically started the band and. If it's his, you know, he can, and he fires everyone, it, I think it's still technically his band. It's I always object to when, like, a number another person in the band, like someone who joined the band later, takes the band name and runs with it. Because that, that just strikes mm-hmm. me as wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, do, does anyone remember the new Cars? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I,
2: I, I never I never listened to that because I, but I wasn't really sure because I mean the cars are cool and they got Todd Rundgren to be the fake uh, fake Okasek, and Todd Rundgren's cool, so it was sort of like, wait, the, the, these two elements are cool, but this is such a douchebag move. <laughs>
0: yeah, that said, I still haven't checked out the uh, the the Cars album that came out. Was it I think it was uh, twenty ten or whatever? The, that one's
2: really good. Y- you should.
0: Yeah, I mean, for my money, the, the the best Cars album is the first album. I mean, there's it's one of those it's another one of those records where it it plays like a greatest hits record.
1: I'm not familiar with the Cars.
0: Okay, there's an there, oh now you that there, that's three three records for your homework assignment: the two uh, David Bowie records and the <laughs> first and the first Cars album. Because okay, that, yeah, that 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 first Cars album has um uh, like almost every song on there is an instant classic. Back me up on this, Matt.
2: Definitely, yeah.
0: Yeah, like it's just what I needed. Um,
2: uh, uh, That's good. Ti- uh, is best friends girl on that one?
0: Yes. Uh, good times roll. Yeah, the, the- uh, your life got tonight. Oh, yeah, bye I'm bye, bye love. Moving in stereo. I mean, it's all good. Mm. <clears throat> I mean, I can't say that about the rest of their discography, like. Yeah, but there's like it's all good stuff on that first Cars record and uh, Jerry Casale directed a couple of their videos too so that's that's another point in their corner
2: oh I didn't know that that's pretty awesome
0: yeah he directed uh, the one for Panorama yeah. and I think one other one I'll have to double check on that one Yeah, Jerry directed a lot of surprising music videos
2: yeah, well, I mean, he's really good at it. I mean, like you know, I mean, not only the Deep videos he did with Chuck Statler, but you know, the a lot of you know solo stuff. Like, I mean, I I even like that. Uh, was it the Foo Fighters video he did?
0: Yeah. the The one that blows my mind that uh, Jerry directed is "Meeting in the Ladies' Room" by Climax.
2: I have not seen that one. I, you you <laughs> totally need to throw that in the notes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just it, it's a very surprising. A uh, band for him to work with. So Yeah.
2: It's too bad the director's label doesn't seem to be still around Because 'cause that'd be kind of a cool one is like, you know, Jerry Casale.
0: hmm Yeah, that that was a rattle. <laughs> 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 so we've we've got like uh 13 minutes left of recording time before we hit mm-hmm. an hour. I was thinking if maybe like talking about remixes and if remixes are where you we stand on those. Do you think we we can oh, do yeah. that in, in, in 10, 13 minutes? Sure.
2: Yeah, probably.
0: Yeah. I'm just, I'm just kind of like hit or miss on them because I don't mind like the extended remix where it's just basically the same song <laughs> just made longer. Yeah. But, but a lot of the really drastic remixes just kind of leave me very cold, because I just... I'm, I'm listening to it and I'm like... I'm listening and I'm, I'm expecting this p- thing to happen in the song, and something else happens, and it just messes with my head.
2: Yeah, I think for me, like of the drastic remixes, the most successful are the ones that actually um, kind of give up the pretense of being a remix and just be a whole new song. Um, I'm actually kind of thinking and I've I've thrown some links to the the wiki uh, in the show notes on this but like some of the They Might Be Giants remixes like the two by uh, Joshua uh, Freed are amazingly good, uh, World's Address and then Larger Than Life which is uh, She's Actual Size and then the two by Cold Cut which, I mean, I'm a big Cold Cut fan anyway but um, the Cold Cut remixed uh, the guitar and they did, uh, it's called uh, the uh, Outer Planet mix, and it's basically a cold cut song with a, a few They Might Be Giant samples thrown in, and then on the same EP, they have the even further Outer Planet mix, which is the same exact remix, except for the, the with the They Might Be Giant samples thrown out. <laughs> and it, it, it basically is its own song, which is really cool, And but then you have some of the, uh, again the They Might Be Giant, some of the, like I have the uh, S E X X Y remix 12-inch, and most of those are just kind of lazy like the uh Warren rigged microwave mix which is the one that was also on the CD single which is basically kind of j random club mix where you have even have that that stupid uh Mortal Kombat riff that they seem to throw into a lot of remixes in the 90s oh wow yeah yeah
0: exact one <laughs>
2: <laughs> but and it's just sort of like hmm. no 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 Mortal Kombat. They might be giants, do not do Mortal Kombat. <laughs>
0: well, it doesn't help. It probably doesn't help that uh, S E X X Y isn't all that great of a song.
2: I I like it. I mean, it's it's one where I mean the weird thing with it is I mean for me like the the, the draw of S E X X Y is like the strings and kind of making it sound have this kind of like sleazy kind of seventies kind of sound to it and. Like with the you know most of the remixes, they take out all of this the the seventies sleeves and try to make it into you know again J random club hit and takes all of the cool stuff out really. Mm.
0: By the way, um, slightly off, slightly uh, slight diversion here. Uh, I recently got a hold of the uh, two uh, two discs sets of uh seven inch mixes and twelve inch mixes of the sparks stuff from uh, the seventies mm-hmm. and eighties if you cool. if you don't have them I can hook you up
2: uh i I think I have the twelve uh twelve inch mix one i didn't know that there's a seven inch one
0: yeah i mean it's mostly just worth having for like the seven inch mixes of uh the stuff off of uh no number one in heaven awesome okay back to the topic i don't I don't know where you stand on this, Andrew. Um,
1: You know, I don't have too much exposure uh, in the musical circles that I run in. I don't have too much exposure to remixes, uh, but in kind of a coincidence, seeing that we were talking about uh, Viva La Vida, the Coldplay record. Um, Are you guys familiar with Frank Ocean?
2: I've heard him. I haven't heard any of his stuff, but
0: I tried listening to uh, something off of Planet Orange, and it just was like. Wait, channel people are manager. making channel, aren't? Whatever, uh, yeah. but my reaction was, you because know, I heard like people saying this was like a, one of the best albums of twenty twelve, and I put it on, uh, yeah. put it on like a, a yeah. sample on iTunes, and I went, wait a minute, this <clears throat> best of twenty twelve? What? No.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I don't <coughs> listen to much hip hop at all. Although there are a, a small handful of tracks that I really enjoy. Um I've kind of I kind of had the same experience with Channel Orange. I listened to it because uh, it was blowing up on RDO and everybody was listening to it. So um, I've l- listened to it and I enjoy a couple of tracks. I haven't really fallen in love with the album as a whole. Uh, but I was reading about it, you know somewhere and uh, somebody some review, I think it might have even been a uh, a review on RDO, said that it doesn't have as many big hooks as his first record, which is called Nostalgia Ultra. Uh, And that record, according to Wikipedia, is the debut mixtape by American recording artist Frank Ocean uh, that was released in 2011. And this, I've actually been listening to this album uh, quite a lot over the past few days. Um, I don't know what qualifies it as a mixtape, but it's kind of a, it's throughout the album, there are these like brief 20 or 30 second um, clip tracks of, just the sound of a tape recorder, and they're actually named after old 1990s video games like GoldenEye and Soul Calibur and Street Fighter. Speaking of Mortal Kombat, um, <laughs> but what I'm getting to is that the, the leadoff track is, I guess it's a cover, a melodic cover of "Strawberry Swing," um, which is a song from Coldplay's "Viva La Vida," which is, in my opinion, a lovely song. But I also really enjoy his version of it. He's got the the same melody is in there, but he. He changes the lyrics, and uh, you know, does some stuff over the top of it, and I really, um, I really like it. So I don't know if that qualifies as a remix, but if um, oh. I don't know, I rec, uh, I recommend this nostalgia ultra, ultra. It's it's intrigued me as somebody who's not a fan of hip hop and doesn't really know what the hell to do in within such a genre. But I, I enjoy this uh, this mixtape that he put out yeah, a couple of years my, ago.
0: From my understanding, I mean, that's uh, he's not really hip hop. I think he's more like soul. Uh, I yeah, mean, but then again, I mm-hmm. then again, they they, they yeah, classify. The yeah, they classify. Remember the, the song "Crazy"? Noel's Parkley?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No. Oh, <laughs> how, how'd you miss oh, how that? How did you miss that? <laughs>
1: I've probably heard it. Don't judge me.
2: Well,
1: well anyway, <clears> what is is you it? I'm crazy?
2: crazy?
1: You think no, I'm crazy?
2: All
1: right,
0: hang on. I'm playing it on Baby the. Baby, I'm crazy. Possibly. I mean, like half of Gnarls Barkley is uh, CeeLo Green, who did the song "Fuck You." And if you don't know yeah, that song, I'm
1: familiar with that. yeah, I don't
0: know that one. <laughs> I was about to say because if if you if you missed that one, then there's no hope for <laughs> you. Yeah. Because that was that song was everywhere, um, and worth it too. I, I, it, it, it's a fun song. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: And and same with Crazy. I mean, I I I love Gnarls Barkley. I've got both of the records, so
0: yeah. I mean, and they, they classify Gnarls Barkley as hip hop too, and uh, I just I remember checking out the album and going, "No, this isn't hip-hop. this is fucking soul." Exactly. This is, yeah. This is a soul record. That's like if, they, if this came out in the '70s, people would well well, if it came out in the 70s, people would have been all over it and said it was the greatest thing ever, but it would still be in the, it would be in the soul section of the record store. It would be in like black record stores uh, under the soul section. Yeah. But it's it came out in the 2000s and therefore, you know, all music by black dudes uh, apparently is uh hip hop now.
2: <laughs> well, that, that that's the thing too is, I mean like uh from a long time like basically in the record industry, um if a, if a record is by a black person, um it is officially R&B until it crosses over. So presumably like until you know Hootie and the Blowfish had all of those, you know, terrible, terrible AC hits, they would
0: they would have been considered R and B. Now that's which fucked is up. kind of Yeah. I mean Hootie and the Blowfish should just be classified as terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should be in the stuff that sucks section of the record store. Which <laughs> yeah. is in the dumpster. <laughs> but yeah, casual racism in the music industry. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> yeah,
2: I know. That's what that's what the industry was built
0: on. <laughs> yep. White guys stealing the music of black guys. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't know. Like, I've, I've, um... Sorry, Matt, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was going to say, like, on that tip, I've always found it kind of funny where a lot of times I've seen, like, the band The Dirt Bombs classified as Garage Soul because, again, the lead singer is a black guy, and it's to me, it's like, no, they're garage rock they're they're very rocky and you know and i mean and it's not like you know soul is bad or anything because soul is fucking awesome but it's not what i would really call the dirt bombs i mean you know you listen to like you know we have you surrounded or magical or dangerous magical noise or or
0: any of that and yeah it's like no this is straight up rock (laughs) yeah it is Mm -hmm. um i know we're, we're Say your piece real quick, Andrew. Yeah. Sorry.
1: <laughs> no, I was just going to say that I don't, um, you know, I mean, good music is good music and <clears throat> I haven't found too much rap or, or hip hop that has really had the, the depth to interest me. Um, so I am intrigued by hip hop uh, or R and B albums that are critically acclaimed Um I don't know, I don't really have a point, but just like the, the Channel Orange album and his earlier album, Nostalgia Ultra, have been like very well-received, and I'm just, uh, I'm trying to, to break into these genres, because I think there there is more artistic merit and musical depth than I might initially have realized.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think you're where I was at about a year ago, or a year and mm-hmm. a half ago, just trying to sort of develop the critical vocabulary for this kind of stuff. Um Right. The, There's an album that came out last year called uh, "Good Kid, Mad City" by uh, Kendrick Lamar, mm-hmm. and it. I I I got I checked it out like literally within like you know uh, two weeks before the end of 2012 because I heard a lot of people saying it was absolutely incredible. I'm like mm, okay, I'll give it a chance, and it, and it did blow my mind. And it is, it's it that's actually a proper rap hip hop album in mm-hmm. every sense of the term, but it's a very mm-hmm. lush, very stylistically distinct record um it's worth your time both of you that if yeah. you guys I'm, I'm, i'll probably make it a pick in a couple weeks i'm surprised i haven't yeah
2: I, I actually bought it off of your recommendation so i, I oh. um yeah and I, I need to spend more time with it because i've only heard listen to it once because i actually i just bought it not too long ago hmm. like last time i was through the record store i was like oh there it is click buy you know um but yeah it it seemed pretty good, but I think I need to spend more time with it. But I mean, I do like that it is like a uh, overarching uh, story throughout the entire record.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, so like I, I,
2: I need I, I need to spend more time with it, but it seems interesting.
0: Yeah, so that might be a good entry way entry point for you, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're getting okay. we're, we're we're burning you with a lot of homework this week. I am sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, okay, and we're we're coming up on an hour record here, so we want to wrap it up, I guess. Um, Cash it in. Yep. Remix! So thanks Skype for uh, cooperating. Crush on. Crush on. Crush on. Crush on. So, so and I don't know, I, I think, yeah, we said our piece on that. Um. Oh, yeah, one more thing. I think, like, chance uh, you're, you're, like, you're not sure what a mixtape is. From my understanding, like, mixtapes in the... Uh, Hip hop sense now, or just like, um, we're taking, I'm gonna, it's, uh, basically sort of a, a way of just showing off your sampling prowess. Mm. Um, and it, it's, it's basically just like an EP or even a full length album. Oh, there goes my timer. Uh, of just, but it's all like, supposed to be based around like samples, like not a lot of original recordings, from my understanding.
1: Yeah. Well, that seems to make sense because I think, uh, I mean, there's the Coldplay sample, and then uh, there's also... I know there's a sample from... What do you call it? What's that song? Hold on. That song? Uh, Hotel California.
0: (laughs) Oh, that
1: song. Um, Yeah, that's sampled on the Nostalgia Ultra album, and I think he was actually threatened with legal action by the Eagles guys.
0: Yeah, (laughs) fuck them.
2: The Eagles suck anyway. funny because... They're, they're, and the, the funny thing is, is there's such colossal colossal douchebags anyway it's sort of like oh hey I'm gonna release this album for free fuck you you want us money <laughs> yeah. give us money <laughs> mm. Mm.
1: but I do think that uh, Novocaine the third track and I think the, the single from Nostalgia Ultra is entirely original and uh, I don't know I like it uh, I like it a lot huh. although it's still got you know Fuck me this, fuck me that, fuck me whatever, and I'm like, uh, it's kind of gratuitous, but I don't know. It does have its merits.
0: Yeah, you'll you'll like the Kendrick Lamar record, I think. Um, all right, we should wrap this up. <laughs> so all where right. where, can, where can we find each other on the internets, Andrew?
1: Well, uh, you could go to andrewmarvin.net, which is my um, dormant for the time being blog. Uh, I'm also on the Twitter at Andrew Marvin, and um, you can find me as Andrew Marvin on most other internet services.
0: I'm
2: KittySnesus. What? Sorry. I'm KittySnesus.com, and, and on the Twitter and the Tumblr and stuff. Don't <laughs> hit
0: me. I'm sorry. Are you okay? <laughs> what happened? Whoa. I'm sorry. It's okay. No one's going to hurt you. Um, oh, I'm uh, I'm Sans. <laughs> and it all goes off the rails. Uh, I'm Sanspoint.com. Uh, Sanspoint on the Twitter. Sanspoint on the last FM OneUpBreathment.com, which I don't really update, but whatever. And uh, yeah, and of course this is Crush On Radio. You can find us at CrushOnRadio.com. Crush On Radio on Twitter, and you can book us up on iTunes. Rate us, review us, love us. We love you. Or I'll, if you don't give us five stars, I'll do what I did to Matt and make you kind of scared and cry.
2: (laughs) New one saw we
0: stick. (laughs) Whoa. Okay. So you got to be out of here in 15 minutes. So let's All Right. uh, Boom. Yeah. All right, man, folks. Great talk. As always. Great talking to you. Bye. (laughs)